Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We are still in Daniel chapter 7, which uh, I've been trying to emphasize is the really heart, it's the center of the book of Daniel. And today I would like to discuss what St. Jerome said about Daniel 7, and it's not going to be anything entirely new from what I have said several times before, and you may be wondering by now why I emphasize certain things so much as we go through the prophetic passages of sacred scripture. And the reason is this. There is a huge portion of contemporary scripture scholars who consign these scriptures entirely to the past. So in other words, they're not prophecy at all. It's not predicting anything in the future. It's saying, no, this applies entirely to the past. And I believe from a very practical standpoint, this is an extremely dangerous position, and I'll be explaining why as we go through. St. Jerome wrote a commentary on Daniel chapter 7. I'm not exactly sure about the date. I'm just going to throw out a very approximate date around 400 AD. And he said this, the fourth empire, that is the fourth empire of the four empires described in Daniel 7, is the Roman Empire, which now occupies the entire world and concerning which it is said in connection with the image. Now, I told you before that there are among scholars two schools. There's those who believe that the fourth empire is Greece, and then this little horn that's mentioned repeatedly in Daniel 7 would be a historical figure, Antiochus Epiphanes. On the other hand, those who believe that the fourth kingdom is Rome would say that that little horn, described several times in Daniel 7, applies to a future Antichrist. And just one thing that just kind of strikes me. Here we are, a very popular view in the 19th and 20th centuries amongst Scripture scholars is that Daniel 7, talking about this little horn, is talking about Antiochus Epiphanes, and it's talking about the kingdom of grace. And yet, those who are living after Greece, who are living in the Roman Empire, both St. Jerome and St. Augustine, felt it was their empire. And yet, then centuries, centuries later, people are saying, no, it's something else. And I just think we should be paying a lot more attention to what the early fathers would say about their own empire than maybe some scholar does uh, a millennium later. This is from St. Jerome's commentary to Daniel. I'd like to read, it's the prologue, and I'd like to read it to you. And he's writing about one of his opponents who was denying that Daniel was composed by the person to whom it is ascribed in its title, but rather some individual living in Judea at the time of the Antiochus who was surnamed Epiphanes. In other words, the second century. He furthermore alleged that the so-called Daniel did not foretell the future 
so much as he related the past. In other words, this isn't even prophecy. And lastly, that whatever he spoke of till the time of Antiochus contained authentic history, whereas anything he may have conjectured beyond that point was false. This opponent, quote, taking refuge in this evasion, contending that whatever is foretold concerning Antichrist at the end of the world was actually fulfilled in the reign of Antiochus Epiphanes because of certain similarities to things which took place at his time. I shall attempt briefly to answer this malicious charge. Now, what St. Jerome just described as false, an evasion, and as malicious against the authority of Scripture, of Daniel, is today commonly taught by, quote, conservative, unquote, Catholic biblical scholars. This is what you're going to hear so far and wide. And a lot of people would hear these broadcasts on Luke 21 radio. Yeah, I get it. And then they'll hear somebody else say all this, nothing to worry about this biblical prophecy stuff. It's all past. And not put two and two together. It can't exactly be both. This is what St. Augustine said to St. Jerome. He said, I have not as great a knowledge of the divine scriptures as you have, nor could I have had such knowledge as I see in you. St. Jerome had devoted himself even to learning Hebrew really, really well. And of course, he came up with the Latin Vulgate translation of the Bible. You know, this is from a Protestant translator of St. Jerome's commentary into English in 1958. I'm not aware uh, in the collections of early church fathers any any addition that includes St. Jerome's commentary on Daniel. This has been put down the memory hole, and yet this is what the translator says, quote, for over 1,100 years after its publication, all who wrote on Daniel showed themselves more indebted to this work by Jerome than to any other commentary on the Old Testament scriptures produced in the period of the church fathers. In other words, this isn't just the only good or great commentary on Daniel. This is the premier commentary from the early fathers of the entire Old Testament, and we don't even hear about it. And it really makes me nervous when something like this occurs because shouldn't we at least be hearing both sides? Now, I want to follow up with showing you three remarkable remarkable similarities between Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. And if there's an exact match here, and even if there isn't, I'll explain in a second, but if there's an exact match between Daniel 7 and Revelation 13, then it can't be talking about Antiochus because Antiochus was dead about 200 years before Revelation 13 was written and Revelation 13 was looking to the future. You get that? All right, we're going to look at the similarities between Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. The first comes from Daniel chapter 7 and verse 2. I've mentioned this previously, but Daniel said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up 
the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea. This is the opening of the great beast, four beasts coming out of the sea in Daniel chapter 11. And then the final manifestation is the string of beasts was this horn that St. Jerome says is the Antichrist. Well, if we go now, we're comparing Daniel 7, Revelation 13. If we go to Revelation 13, we read in the first verse of chapter 13, there is a beast rising out of the sea. And we spent quite a bit of time when we went through Revelation showing that, yes, this beast rising out of the sea is the Antichrist. He kind of comes out of the dark places of the sea in the Hebrew mind. So there's one conjunction, so to speak, between Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. In Daniel chapter 7 and verse 21, it says this, And I looked this horn, and again, the horn is the great persecutor of God's people. This horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came. There's a problem here if you think it's strictly about Antiochus, because um, he didn't really prevail in the sense of the Maccabean revolt worked, and the Ancient of Days, if this refers to the Second Coming, certainly didn't didn't occur back in the Maccabean revolt. But in any case, Daniel 7, 21, the horn made war with the saints. Revelation 13, 7, we're talking about the beast, the Antichrist. It was also allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Almost identical, okay? That's the second conjunction between Daniel 7, Revelation 13. And now notice this, four times in Daniel chapter 7, it's speaking about the little horn, the Antichrist mouth. Um, and I can't help but think, and I know I shouldn't be doing this, but you know, modern communications allow a loud mouth or a false teacher to have quite the platform. I'm just thinking in contemporary kind of concepts that not only a great boastful evil speech, but magnified through common media. But in any case, that's just a thought. Daniel 7 and verse 6, talking about the little horn, it says, it opens its mouth to utter blasphemies against God and blaspheming his name and his dwelling and all those who dwell in heaven. This is Daniel 7, 8. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth, again, a mouth speaking great things. Daniel 7, 20, a mouth that spoke great things. And then 7, 25, it doesn't explicitly say the mouth, but it says he shall speak words against the Most High. Revelation 13 now, verse 5, and the beast, the Antichrist, was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Now, I'm going to propose two things. It's hard to keep two things in your mind, but let's let's try it. If Revelation 13 is an exact fulfillment of Daniel 7, then Daniel 7 can't be referring to Antiochus, but rather it's referring to the Antichrist, if these two are an exact match, because Antiochus was dead 200 years before Revelation 13 was written. On the other hand, let's just 
kind of have a halfway concession. Even if those who believe that Greece was the fourth kingdom and that Antiochus Epiphanes is spoken of in Daniel chapter 7, because of the conjunction, it's clear as a bell, between Daniel 7 and Revelation 13, we have to say that Antiochus was only an initial fulfillment of Daniel 7, or a prefiguring of a final Antichrist. In other words, we're still reading biblical prophecy that is still in the future. And again, this is what motivates me. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says that at this time, when the beast arises, when the Antichrist comes, when the little horn with the big mouth starts blaspheming God and wearing down the saints of the Most High, it says this will shake the faith of many believers. And it says in Daniel 7, he will wear them out. You know, sometimes like your kids ask 50 times for a toy or something like that. You finally give in just like, okay, uh, you know, I'm going to swear allegiance is Antichrist. Just get over it, you know. And one of the strongest warnings in the Bible says in Revelation chapter 14 that anybody who takes that mark will drink the wine of God's wrath poured unmixed into the cup of his anger, and he shall be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment will go up forever and ever. They will have no rest day or night. Here is the call for the endurance of the saints. When that time comes in human history, I don't know when, but when that time comes, it will demand our life, and we better be real sure what the Bible is talking about at that point. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 159 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy, visit us online at luke21.com.